Hello everybody, welcome once again. As we continue on in a series we're doing called Do You Want to Get Well? And uh, been a long time in this series, but we're, we're running through different topics as we go, so it's, uh, it's kind of uh, sub-series are popping up in the process, and, and uh, because it's been so many weeks, rather than do an entire long introduction, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to tell you that what we've been doing over the last few weeks is talking about the importance of encouraging well. And that um, we're, we're to encourage well, that we're to put courage into people uh, with the hope that, that people will also say yes to the question Jesus asked, do you want to get well? And uh, that they would find that life is found in him, and, and in saying yes to that question is where they can experience, you know, real, full, now, abundant, forever life, now and forever life, it's all found in Jesus. And so, because he's encouraged us and encourages and continues to encourage us, we're to encourage others, and that's the, uh, that's the basis for this whole series. And so um, I want to pursue that some more today, this idea of encouragement, and then I'm going to change sort of sub-series next week. Um, we're going to build on it, move in another direction. But, uh, so I want to sort of, you know, in, sort of tie together what we've been talking about the last four or five weeks as far as encouraging well. Um, but before we do that, you know, some you guys like me to do a little something different. I have this thought I would pass on to you, some wisdom about... Um, uh, about, you know, uh, maybe something you can do to sort of get ready for the holidays as far as getting a little exercise, maybe getting a little better thing. Because people ask me sometimes about those things. So I thought you, you might like, especially, you know, if you're, if you're you know, you're, I'm 53, you're my age-ish and around there and a little higher. Younger people probably, probably won't be able to do this, but this, this works well for me. So um, it's kind of a little secret for building up your, your arm and your shoulder muscles. And if you'll do this three days a week, I think it'll... It'll be a big, big help for you. Um, so, so what you need to do, you be, begin by standing real straight and, and get a couple of five-pound potato sacks, um, one in each hand, and then extend your arms like this um, and, and hold them out there and try and do that for like a full minute, you know, and then, and then just relax. And, and uh, after a few weeks, I'd like you to build up to like a 10-pound uh, potato sacks and then and get them out there for a minute and then 50, pound, 50 pounds and then... Eventually, try and get to where you can lift a 100-pound potato sack in each hand and hold your arms straight out for more than a full minute. After you feel confident at that level, then start putting a couple of potatoes in each sack. But don't overdo it because it can get real stressful. So that would really help, I think. Just the sacks. Do you, you get it now? We don't want to overdo. People were freaking out there for a minute. Just the sacks. Scripture reading, Romans 12, 9 through 21. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, 
as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So we've been talking about the importance of encouraging well. And we've seen what uh, Jesus demonstrate, what encouraging well looks like by um, the way he sees people and the beauty of their potential, the way he hears people and he listens beyond the surface, and the words that he speaks into them are, are words of life and encouragement. And, and, and we see how his, um, his interactions with people are life-transforming and that he encourages them to, to, to make good decisions and good choices in life and to, to keep pressing on in him. And, and so it's, it has a significant impact on transforming people's lives. Encouraging others has a significant impact on their lives. And so, you know, last week I, I talked about the importance of us being and staying encouraged so that we can encourage others and how Jesus wants to help. We talked about the race marked out for us and running that with perseverance and and that uh, if, you know, we talked about how he understands us and that we're his joy and, and how important that all is. Well, today I want to take all these sort of ideas we've been talking about encouraging well and, and sort of try and tie them together um, so that, that we understand this is something that's very important and something that we need to be doing in the world. And so the first point in your notes is this. I want to talk about the encouragement equation. The encouragement equation. Now, if you've been coming here, um, if you came here a few years ago, I actually developed what I called at that time the encouragement equation. I don't know if any of you remember it, but it was this. I, and uh, I don't remember why I was helping somebody with algebra or something, and it popped into my brain. And so the equation is going to pop into me. The equation is U plus 2PE equals 3PE. This was the original encouragement equation that I came up with. And uh, here, here's where I was at at the time. That U means U. And then uh, 2PE is two people encouraged. So if you encourage two people, what you end up with is three people encouraged because God will encourage you. And, and if you were here, you probably remember me talking about that for a while, a few years ago, that this was what I called the encouragement equation. It was my way of trying to get you to encourage two people every day. And that the, the promise from that is that if you're out encouraging people, God will encourage you. He does it already. He encourages us so we can encourage others. Um, but I realized... Um, shortly after I, I came up with that equation that I'd forgotten it, the equation wasn't quite right. And, and uh, what I realized I forgot was, was that you always have to keep God in the equation. And so I had to change the equation, and so I did that. And, and, uh, and so the other equation looks like this. It's U to the G, and that's an exponent because God's like that. Uh, and because God's exponentially more awesome than, than us, right? So... So I, I modify the equation U with God in the equation, um, empowering you, encouraging two people means that three people encourage because God will encourage you. And I, I think that's, a, that's just something that's, I know it might seem silly, but I think it's really helpful if you remember this whole thing about encouraging well, that that's what we're shooting at, that, that God is with us, he's for us, he's in us, he encourages us, and he wants us to encourage people um, because it changes people's lives. And if we'll get out there and do that, he constantly encourages us. That's just the way it works. And so that's a, it's a really good equation to sort of live by. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. And so this idea of encouraging well 
helps us to know and remember that God is the one who provides the spiritual power that equips us to handle any difficulty that comes our way. Because remember, one of the things we're battling now is discouragement. And I've said you know, to you repeatedly as we, in these last few weeks and in, in, in our earlier discussions, discouragement um, really messes us up. Um, when we're discouraged, uh, we're, we're just not um, plugged into life the way we should be. And we don't experience life the way that we could. And, and so we have an adversary who, who that's one of his tricks is discouragement. We've talked about a lot of his tricks, but he, he, he wants us to be discouraged. And discouragement um, makes us feel like we need to withdraw and isolate. Um, it, it's sort of, you know, I just can't take it anymore. But when we're encouraged, we, we move forward and we stay involved and we, we stay engaged. It's not um, uncommon to hear people say, um, well, I just, I just don't want to get involved, or I just didn't want to get involved. Even if they're seeing something, it's obvious that, that somebody needs to do something. We have this cultural thing now, I just I don't want to get involved. And yet, um, as believers, Christianity, it's, it's all about involvement. Um, the, 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 I mean, the incarnation is a picture of the ultimate involvement. Um, Jesus coming and entering history... Uh, and, you know, moving into the story uh, the way that he did, that's involvement. And he models for us this life. And so um, we, it's not really a... Uh, we can't sit by uh, and sit on the sidelines and watch as the adversary that we all know about and that we have just deceives people and keeps them from coming to know Jesus and keeps them from experiencing real, full, now and forever abundant life. And so we, we need to embrace this idea of encouraging well and understand how important it is and how effective it is. And we've seen how effective it was with Jesus. And, and the encouraging well is one of those things really that everybody in the church can do. This is, this is, this is like um, everybody can encourage other people. You have to, you know, you, you won't if you're discouraged and you won't if you're, you know, f- easy pray for the enemy. But, but if, if you think about what this is all about, all of us should be fully engaged in encouraging other people. And, and again, if, if we'll just go by that equation, that's enough. If you would just sort of make it your habit to go out of your way to encourage at least two people every day, everything would change dramatically in your life and in other people's lives and the lives of people around you. If you, would just, if you would just think about how to encourage at least two people a day. And, you know, if you've followed through this, you've heard me say in my prayer time, I, I, I literally take in my early morning prayer and ask God, would you please show me two people that I can encourage today that I start with? And then I ask him, and would you just kind of pop up others that I won't have any idea about that I can encourage throughout the day? But give me at least two. And then I, I go out of my way to make sure that I encourage those two people. Whether it be with a phone call, an email, an encounter, um, uh, something that I can do that encourages them um, and, and if they've hit my mind. Sometimes it's, you know, I, I feel like I'm supposed to pray for them. And so I'll pray for them and call them and tell them I prayed for them, ask if I can pray for them again. Um, all, that's all, but that's very encouraging, you know. If anybody, have you ever been, have had somebody call you and say, hey, can I pray for you? It's extremely encouraging. Uh, it's a neat thing, and really, it's just a matter of time at that point. So, uh, I want to encourage you to to take that on. 
So we're going to encourage well, um, and I just want to talk about what's that look like and, and use our scripture reading day to sort of help us and, and just tie these last few points together. What, what our part is in the process, and we've been encouraged, we need to encourage others, and what does it look like? So the second point is this, um, we need to be real. We need to be real. Romans 12, 9, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. We, uh, we have to be real um, in the way we relate to people. Um, we cannot impact the world by being phony. We can't be hypocrites. Um, integrity needs to be a character trait that we are constantly working on in our lives. Where, you know, what we say we believe and, and how we live it, at least we're attempting to make those things line up. Um, we can't pretend to be perfect. We can't pretend to be know-it-alls. We can't pretend to be superior to other people. Um, that in order to be real, um, in, in a way that's effective, um, we have to sort of recognize and embrace, and you've heard me say this before, our own brokenness. And then, you know, get healed enough in Jesus that we can help other broken people recognize and embrace their own brokenness and get healed enough in Jesus so they can help other broken people recognize and embrace their own brokenness and get healed enough in Jesus. And see, that's what we're, that's what we're trying to do. That's what we feel God has called us to. That's a huge part of our mission of, of One More is this idea of um, we're, we're basically a group of, of broken people who, who have come to know Jesus and or in the process of knowing Jesus. And, and as he works in us, um, we, we're, we're telling other people that there's hope. And, and as he works in them, they're telling other people that there's hope. And see, that, that's, how, that, that's how lives are changed and impact. It's, it's all this process of moving forward. But we, we, we won't be um, effective if we're not real. And, and then we're, we're having to sort of um, make up for a cultural uh, um, belief that the church is filled with hypocrites. And so you, you have to kind of combat that right off the bat. Uh, and, and don't add to it. Um, but, but, you know, we've earned it as a church. You know, that's the way it is. So we, we have to be real honest, you know, with people. Um, we're broken. We're, we're, we're not perfect. We're struggling. We know Jesus. We're thankful for grace and mercy. Life is, is, is by far better in Him. Um, and, and, and yet, you know, it's, it's, all, it's all part of a process. And so we have to be real if we're going to make a difference. And I, I want to encourage you to to just, you know, make sure you, you get how important it is to be real. Um, we need, third, to be connected to the power source. If we're going to encourage well, we're going to have to have a good connection with God. Because it's a discouraging... We live in a discouraging world. I, I'm, and I, I know I've, we've talked about this, but I'm constantly amazed at, at how quickly discouragement can come on me and get hit with the discouragement. I can be doing great, have, feeling good, everything's going well... And then um, virtually one change of one news story or some, some little thing can suddenly make me feel like everything is not good. And it fascinates me how simple that can be in that process. And so we have to be aware and have to be plugged into the source. Romans 12:11 says, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. So, so we have to spend time every day reading the Word, praying, worshiping. We've talked about that every day. We need to be connected. You've got to spend time in the Word of God. And, and again, let me encourage you, if you're not doing it, five minutes, something, dig in, read the Psalms. We've got 
devotional books out there for you. Um, plug in where you can and, and, and spend some time with the Lord. We talked about that in this series at length. And so, so we need that. If we're going to encourage well, if we're going to take this serious, um, we have to be connected to God so that we're getting encouraged by Him. Fourth, we have to practice hospitality. Romans 12, 13. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Um, that means we, we have to be able to look around and see um, where the needs are. And then, like Jesus, we need to be able to see like He did and hear like he did, and, and then speak like he did. Um, I think Jesus was amazingly hospitable. Uh, when I, and, and, and his encounters. When you watch his encounters, he's often doing things you wouldn't expect him to do, um, at least, you know, what you think might take place. And, and um, people know they're loved when they encounter Jesus. They just know. There's something about it. Uh, all, all sorts of people know there's something there um, in, in all walks of life. You know, we've seen people that were just completely sort of uh, outcast who he's ministered to. You know, we, we saw, um, uh, you know, the, the contacts he's had with this guy at the well who was sort of nobody saw. And, and we saw the, the, the guy at the pool, I mean, and we saw the woman at the well. And we saw the, the, the woman caught in adultery. We saw his connection with, you know, the tax collector, Matthew, who was an outcast. I mean, we saw how, you know, Peter had failed so miserably and how he ministers to him and Paul who was persecuting the church and how he ministers to him. And, and um, we just see Jesus um, making people aware of the fact that, that he loves them. Nicodemus, who, who was a Pharisee, knew that Jesus loved them, knew there was something special in there because Jesus would, would just um, do those simple things. And to me, that's, you know, that's the heart of hospitality. It's, it's looking at people without labeling them seeing the beauty of their potential, listening to what they're saying beyond the surface, and then speaking words of life into them, that, that this is what we're called to do uh, in the world around us. And, and so uh, we, we, we need to be aware of what that looks like. And we need, and uh, fifth point in, in combination with that is that we need to practice humility. Notice I said we've got to practice both those things because we can always get better. Hospitality and humility. Romans 12, 14 through 16. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. So, um, to encourage well, we have to get the focus off of us. And our natural tendency is to view life from within our own very limited um, perspective about how everything impacts us. It's not unusual because of the way that we are when a situation happens that our very first thought is how does this impact me? And then we process from there. And, and I get that to a point, but we've got to make sure that we don't get stuck there because life isn't found there. Um, we have to, you know, see, when we're more comfortable with the idea that God's got us and will always have us, and, and he's, that's a done deal. He's got us. And nothing is taking him by surprise. Nothing. If, the more comfortable we can get with that process, the, the less sort of self-focused we are. Um, and, and so we have to get our perspective from the throne room of God. I love thinking about that. I love, you know, my... my uh, we talked about this too. I, I like in thinking of those terms that in my prayer life that I'm, I'm hanging out with God in the throne room. I get that I'm sitting on my back patio. 
but I'm making a connection beyond that because um, I, that perspective from the throne room is different than anything else that I see. And like I said, God is not pacing the throne room, throwing his hands up at what's happening. He's just not. He's God. And, and, and so uh, there's something about that that comforts me and allows me to stay plugged in. And, and to remember it's, that, it's, it, that he's in charge, man. It's, it's his thing. It's, it's not all about me. It's some about me. I'm glad that it's some about me. You know, we talked about that last week. Jesus coming was some about me. Uh, I, the joy set before him. That was some about me. He did the cross for me. He, I put him there, but he went there willingly for me and for you. And how cool is that? So some about me, but it's certainly not all about me. And that's where, where pride will often get uh, us in trouble. And uh, our pride can be a major stumbling block in, in keeping us from being involved and engaged in the world around us. Um, our, our, anybody here ever have their pride get them in trouble? Never, never, no. Have you, ever, have you ever had your pride cause you to respond in the complete opposite way that you realize you should have responded if you would have just stopped and thought about it for a minute or two? And you got that, and, you, and then you go, I don't, I don't even know why that happened. It just welled up in you, and before you know it, you're off and you're, and it's like, oh, that's not even who I am. But it catches us and so so we have to be careful that whole pride thing and and practice humility and think about you know try and think more about what God's what we think God would be thinking about in that situation and what it looks like how Jesus saw people the words that he spoke we we have to make sure that we're we're not becoming critical and judgmental those are the signs that we're becoming pharisaical and the moment we do that we just take ourselves out of being any good for anybody and so we ha- it's a constant check and, and practicing humility will help us in the process remembering that we're just broken people who've, who know Jesus you know we're, we're, we're everybody's sick and, and we're sick we've met the cure basically only difference we know the cure and we want other people to know the cure as well and so it, that, that thought can help us stay in a place of humility and then you know six we need to try and live by doing the next right thing you may have heard me say that before once or twice Romans 12, 17, and 18. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And then he goes on in verse 21 and says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So our adversary, who's evil, is overcome by us moving and doing things the way God would have us do them. Living by trying to do the next right thing. Not perfect, we're going to mess up. You know, that's, that's part of the deal, unfortunately. But knowing that we have a God who forgives us and, and um, that we can go to at any moment. The moment we figure it out, we're getting off track. We go running back to God. He doesn't point the finger at us. He just lifts us up in his arms and tells us how much he loves us. Says, now go. Try. Do the next right thing. Powers us by his spirit to do that. And off we go again, encouraged so that we can encourage others. So, so as we sort of wrap up this little sub-series about encouraging well, live for Jesus. Get your eyes focused on Him. Find real and abundant life in, in His presence and in Him and continue to run the race that He's marked out for you because that's where we find life. And that's where we have a difference on the world around us. Encouraging others. Putting courage into people to say yes to that question. Do you want to get well when Jesus asks it so they can experience real and abundant now and forever life as well?
Amen? Amen. All right. Well, what we're going to do is move into our extended worship time. And um, uh, to do that, I want you to take a few minutes uh, of intermission. But um, I want you to get up and stretch your legs. So what we're going to do is take up our offering.